My name is Darren Smallcomb. I'm the lead attorney over at Modern Law Group. Uh, we are an immigration law firm throughout the United States. We have offices in California, Texas, New York, Cancun, and uh, we have about seven attorneys that all specialize in immigration, about 20 paralegals or so, and our primary focus of practice is not only immigration, but specifically asylum. And I'm Scott Berry, your host for the day at Immigration Nation. We're very excited to have Darren with us. He has got uh, a ton of fantastic information. If we're going to talk about asylum, Darren's one of the very first people that we want to go to. His practice has evolved into probably 80, 85% asylum cases. There's a lot of fascinating things going on across the globe right now that's driving this, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but all day, every day, it's immigration for Darren and his firm, and most of the time it's asylum. Join us today for a fantastic discussion. Hello, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Darren. We're glad to have you here. So would you mind just starting us off with a little bit of an introduction to you and your firm? And we're going to be talking about asylum today, a lot of different topics inside of asylum. Um, just introduce yourself, if you would. Sure. My name is Darren Smolcom. I've been in immigration for about 14 years, uh, although if you count uh, the personal immigration aspect of things, I did the first process for my wife about 16 or 17 years ago, and uh, that actually led me into immigration a little bit later. So personally and professionally, I've been involved for some time. Modern Law Group has been around uh, since 2009, so 14 years, and we've been doing exclusively immigration during that time. Um, over the years, we have grown considerably, and uh, in addition to doing the family-based immigration that we started off with, we now do a tremendous amount of asylum cases. Mm, exactly, which is why we wanted you here. You were the first person that we thought of. There are some peculiar things going on in the world right now, mm -hmm. and I know not everybody keeps up with what's going on across the globe, but there's a lot in the news, and the it, it seems like the demand for protection from the United States using asylum is, you know, at a high right now. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that are kind of causing that. And mm -hmm. would you talk about that a little bit? What's sure. going on in the world? Sure, or? absolutely. Um, a little over a year ago, uh, the problems in the Eastern Europe started, right? The, the Russian-Ukraine conflict. And that has displaced a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So either people fleeing from the war or fleeing from political persecution, mm -hmm. many of them have come to the United States. So, um, Scott, we have offices all over the United States, and we have had for some time. However, we recently opened one up in Cancun, Mexico. And uh, the reason we did that, which is uh, not, as some people like to suggest, it's a nice place for me to go visit um, on my normal rounds around the which, offices. Which it is. Which it is. Um, <laughs> but that's not the main purpose. That is not the main purpose. The main purpose is, is that most people fleeing persecution in another country cannot fly directly to the United States. Very few people have a visa, particularly from Eastern Europe and Russia. It's been very mm -hmm. difficult for many years to get a visitor visa to come to the United States. So say, since you cannot fly to the United States, you fly to Mexico first. And that first destination for almost everybody is Cancun. That's crazy. Right? So, right? so you opened up an office there just so that you could serve people better. Correct. So we have uh, Russian-speaking uh, paralegals. 
uh, in Cancun that are actually meeting the people that are coming from Russia, Ukraine, and the surrounding countries to get them situated in Cancun to discuss their case, to see if there's something that we could do to help them to claim asylum, and then to prepare them for the journey that they will take to the border of the United States to begin that asylum process. So one of the things that's really neat about your firm is um, you guys have a lot of English-speaking clients mm -hmm. and a lot of Russian-speaking clients and some other languages as well, right? You sure. guys serve clients with like four or five different languages? Several, in fact. Yeah. Uh, we have several languages in-house, uh, covering all the major languages, quite frankly, of the world. Uh, but lately, uh, for obvious reasons, Russia has been, and Russian language has been the primary language. Uh, although Ukraine has its own language, everybody speaks Russian there as well. We do mm. have Ukrainian speakers. But uh, I think people feel a lot more comfortable They've given up everything. They've gone across the world, most of the time with small children. Everything that they have with them is, is literally and figuratively on their back. And, and then they come here to ask for the protection of the United States, right? To be able to greet them, make them feel comfortable, uh, kind of lead them through those steps so that they're going to be successful in the process or at least have the best chance of success is very welcoming for them. And it does make things go a lot easier. So I think... Our listeners hear a lot about asylum, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of, there may even be some misunderstanding about what it is and who sure. qualifies and stuff like that. So maybe we just start at the top. Like when someone says they're, they're seeking asylum or someone is seeking asylum, what, what exactly are, are, are they talking about? What are they asking for? Right. So asylum is a body of law that is in the Immigration and Nationality Act that specifies who can seek the protection of the United States, okay? Mm -hmm. and there's five categories. There's race, religion, nationality, political opinion, and something they call a particular social group, okay? The first four are pretty self-explanatory by what they are, right? So a uh, particular social group is the one that you could fit some people in that may not go in the first four categories. For example, a particular social group might be somebody that it's LGBT, that is in a country where that is illegal, mm, right? Okay. Where if they were to come out or be known, they could be killed or thrown in prison or something mm. like that. That's a particular social. They're group. asking for protection based Correct. on that. Correct. Okay. Maybe uh, maybe a woman that has uh, taken off her burqa and whatnot in Iran that suffered persecution. Okay, that's not going to fit in the other four categories, but that is a particular social group where mm. she is going to be persecuted if caught. Okay. Right. So. Uh, Political opinion, those are obvious as well. Right now, for example, you have a lot of people that are anti-Putin, okay? Yeah. So if they have demonstrated this publicly, they're subject to a 15-year prison term, okay, mm. under certain conditions. So if they have this public information out there about them, they could come and say, hey, look, if I go back, they're going to put me mm. in prison for 15 years merely because of my political opinion. And therefore, they would fit under this umbrella of these five categories. That's what asylum is, Okay. It's also equally important to say what asylum is not. Okay. And I think this is where a lot of confusion comes out. And a lot of people that aren't real big fans of immigration kind of pick their battle. Because you have a lot of people that are economic migrants. Okay. okay. So things are bad in your country. You can't get a good job. Okay. That, that's really unfortunate. And the world shouldn't be like that. Right. That's not a reason for asylum. So there's a lot of that type of request coming from the southern border absolutely okay. absolutely and they don't know any better right? no they, they don't they see a better life and they see that other people have come across and um, mm. 
and that the laws are sometimes enforced lackadaisically. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot, you know, or, you know, I work on a, in, out in the field, I make, you know, $20 a week or yeah. whatever it is, and I get harassed by the local criminals, okay? Yeah. Well, you know, maybe the harassment of the local criminals, if it's tied to the police, which is tied to the government, then you have some sort of government involvement, yeah. maybe, right? But if it's just, hey, I can't really make enough to feed my family here because life's tough and, I don't know, Nicaragua or whatever it may be, right, that's not more than likely going to qualify. So, uh, so there is a certain set of qualifications that someone would have to meet in order to even apply. Most definitely. Okay. So I will tell you as a matter of practice, the vast majority of calls that we have for people that are seeking asylum or at least exploring that option, we do not take as cases. Oh, because fascinating. Well, we may sympathize with their situation, right. okay? Our firm doesn't take cases. We don't provide hope in exchange right. for money, yeah. okay? We will provide hope if there's a case that will fit within those categories that we think we could win, right, in the end, or there's a good chance of us winning in the end. Um, but most people, unfortunately, don't uh, fit in that, and there's just not a lot of other immigration options in the United States. So that's really interesting. So we've got a, a, a case where people are applying, right, and requesting but the majority of them don't qualify legally, right? Um, at what point should they reach out to an attorney to find out if they do qualify? Well, I think it's kind of best to do so early on, right? Um, and, you know, I recommend always, you know, if you're going to seek more than one person's advice, but find a reputable firm, okay, that's not just interested in taking your money. They will hear your story and give you a real assessment as to whether you have a chance of success or not, yeah. right? And it's best to do that before you've sold your home, sold your business, packed up your kids, flown to a foreign country, and are sitting there, okay, I'm ready to go. You should probably speak to somebody about that process first. Um, so even if they're already outside of the country, there are ways for them to reach law firm owners like yourself, like you have WhatsApp and certain tools to where they could potentially reach out and ask a couple of high-level questions. Correct. So, again, uh, we serve a lot of the Russian-speaking market. I have four Russian speakers that have access to our digital connections, Telegram, WhatsApp, whatever it may be, um, or international lines, and that's listed on our website. So people could call and say, hey, look, this is my situation. Okay, can you help me out or not? And, again, most of the people we say probably not, but I also think that's a, a worthwhile service to provide mm -hmm. before they up into their entire oh, lives. Gosh, it's like, yeah. look, you're seeking a better life. It's I get it. priceless. But at the same time, you're going to go sit here in a court system for years, probably get declined, and then you're going to have to go back with nothing. All right. Good. You know? So good point. What is that process like? If, mm. if you think they have legal grounds for it, what, sure. how does it start? What's the process like? Okay. It's a really good question. There, there's two processes. One of them is called affirmative asylum. That is if you have a visa, say a visitor visa, or let's say you're a student, okay? You came here from a country that's been upended. Okay, you've been here for four years and you, you can't go back because you've been here, you've been talking about the politics in your country, you've been posting on YouTube or Facebook, whatever it may be, and now there's a penalty for that going home. Okay, that person's going to say, okay, I'm going to apply for asylum with USCIS, with Immigration Services. Okay, okay. and uh, it's a little bit more straightforward process. So they're going to apply. Now, if they win, that's it. They get asylum, they're on the process, they're, they're on the path long-term for a green card, citizenship, everything, okay? If they get declined, then they're referred to the courts, okay? The courts, the 
courts is where most people have their asylum process, all right? So the examples we've used so far where somebody flies into Mexico, for example, mm -hmm. into Cancun, and then comes to the U.S. border asking for asylum, that is a court process. So they're what they call defensive asylum. They didn't have any permission to be here, but they came anyway to the border and said, please help me. If you send me home, I'm going to die or go to prison. Okay. So they're, they're going to start off with what they call a credible fear interview. So first the officer is going to say, who are you? Why are you here? Okay, I'm, I'm John. I'm from this country. I'm here to claim asylum. Okay, wait here. Now, hours or days later, they're going to have an officer that's going to ask them questions about their case, specific questions. Why are you afraid to go home? Mm -hmm. What happened? Tell me everything. And it'll be like a three-hour interview. If they pass that credible fear interview, then they may have a court hearing. Okay? Now. All local? Depends where they're going to end up. So this is where it gets really complicated, Scott, because some people get detained. Some people don't. All right. So if you're detained, if you're a single man coming to the border asking for asylum, you're probably going to get detained. So they're going to send you to whatever facility in the country mm. has capacity. Right now, it happens to be a lot of Louisiana. Sometimes it's Colorado. Sometimes it's Washington. Sometimes it's California. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. You just never know. So when you're there, you're in their court system while you're detained. Okay. And those are tougher cases. Uh, we try really hard to get people out once we get them out. And let's say they live in New York, their case is then transferred to New York. So it's local for them. Okay. All right. Now, uh, let's say a single woman shows up with two small kids. She's not getting detained. Yeah. It's not going to happen. They're going to let her out as, as, as quickly as humanely possible. And she'll find a place to stay for a couple of days while this is all happening. Cor correct. Well, they'll, they'll house them uh, in very nicely for like a day or so okay. or two. CBP will say, okay. We just need to sort it out. We need to verify who you are. We're going to ask you a couple questions. Where are you going to go? Now, most people have somewhere to go when they come here. They have a relative or a friend or a friend of a friend that they've got a place to go. They're going to say, okay, where are you going to go? Okay, you're going to go to your friend's house. What's their address? What's their phone number? Okay, have a nice day, right? Or they release them to an intermediate organization like uh, uh, Catholic Charities or Jewish Family Services, yeah. some sort of NGO that will keep them for a couple of days until they have some place permanent okay. so they'll then go to this let's say france house all right wherever that is is where their court case is going to happen all right okay um the timeline of that though scott is what really gets me. you have to know it's going to be complicated and it's not going to happen quickly right that's exactly what it is man it takes years for some people we have people that have crossed two years ago that still haven't had their first court hearing though I have people that crossed three weeks ago that have already had yeah. it. It's a mess. There's millions of people seeking asylum right now, and the courts are so backed up. It's it's preposterous, quite frankly. I mean, it seems it would be kind of crazy to, to for the, I mean, can they even handle it themselves, or, 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 or would they have to get an immigration attorney to help with asylum? Well, if you look at the percentages, they're definitely going to be advantaged by having an attorney, okay? The decline rate or the denial rate is far higher if you represent yourself okay. okay now there are certain factors that go into that oftentimes people don't hire an attorney if they know their case isn't that strong sometimes people get into asylum because they just have to be they got caught here so they say oh i'm going to claim asylum now mm -hmm. right their case is weak they know it they're not going to hire an attorney okay? okay um the cases that we represent have a very high success rate okay. they, for, for a couple reasons number one we know what we're doing 
Number two, we choose people that have cases that are winnable. Yeah. Right. I don't feel good yeah. about taking people's money unless we have right. a very strong chance of winning. Um, so, yeah, you can do it on your own. If you have a real strong case, like let's say, for example, um, Jehovah's Witnesses in Russia are persecuted against pretty bad. Okay, it's illegal to practice that religion, essentially. Okay, if they come here and they can prove that they're Jehovah's Witnesses and have it all documented out, and they've gone through the process and they know other people that have done it successfully, and they get a nice judge, they could probably do it themselves, right? Their chances aren't as high, but they're already going in with a pretty high chance of success anyway, mm -hmm. so it's possible. We handle a lot of these cases. We do it at a dis discount because okay. we've done so many of them. The argument's the same almost every time. Okay. Okay. Uh, other cases that are complex, you should have counsel. Absolutely. So what happens if if someone wins? What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And you know, some people, I guess, get denied. Yeah. What's that mm -hmm. like? What's that process like? So the judge, again, if we're talking about defensive asylum, uh, the judge is going to make a decision at the end of the process. Now, sometimes you can negotiate a, a decision with Homeland Security and just kind of take it out of the judge's hands in a way, even though the judge must affirm it. But in almost all cases, the judge decides. All right. So the judge is going to decide to either grant your petition for asylum or deny Okay, if the petition for asylum is granted, that's it. At that moment, you are now 100% legal, you're able to work, and you've begun your life officially in the United States. You are protected. Okay, mm -hmm. now it's not the last step. A year later, you can apply for a green card, that gives you permanent residency. Okay. Five years after that, you can apply for citizenship. Okay. So the process isn't over, but the hard part. So you part. get temporary with yeah. an opportunity to get permanent down the road. Basically, yeah. So you're temporary. I mean, if you commit some major crime, they could always send you away. Or let's say the conditions change in your country, for example, right? Okay. Uh, and you right. commit a crime, then it's like, okay, well, now you're safe there, and you're committing crimes in the U.S. Have a nice day. Yeah, there you go. Um, that doesn't happen very often, but it's possible. Yeah. So a grant puts you on that path to citizenship, multi-year path, okay? And it protects your family, too, your spouse, and any of your children that are under 21 and with you. Yeah, that was one of the questions that I had is how does asylum – affect like the whole family so it is it would protect everybody if they're here that's with, that's if, with you immediately if they're here yeah okay. so spouses and children under 21 at the time of filing are protected so if the we call it the lead gets the grant of asylum yep. then all the writers which is the rest of the family yep. gets it too so summarize for us like how long this process mm. tends to take right Affirmative asylum, you're here with a visa, the, the college student example, mm -hmm. should generally take less than a year, depending on where you're at in the country, okay? okay? Um, assuming you win, okay? If you lose, it gets referred to court, and then you're like everybody else. Court, if you're detained, right? You're that single guy that just came and you got put in detention, uh, you're probably going to look at about a six-month process while in detention, maybe less, okay? okay. If you are non-detained, all right, you've been let out, you're a free person while your court is pending anywhere from two to five years it will take okay so if you have an attorney there's a lot of work that needs to be done over the course of two three four five years so what could we tell people about what they might expect cost to be mm. for asylum you can't speak for every law firm but just kind of look at lawyers across the United States and um, right give us some kind of ballpark range what are we talking about 
So affirmative asylum, where it's more of a paperwork push and no court, uh, your typical firm will probably run you about five to seven thousand. Okay? okay, there's going to be some that are cheaper, and there's going to be some that are more expensive. Yeah. Okay, the cheaper ones, well, I mean, it's like most things in life—you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's some good attorneys out there that are doing it for very low cost, but uh, not always. Um, and some of the more expensive ones are just unnecessarily high. Mm. All right, like our firm, we've tried to get in that sweet spot. We try to give the best possible representation that's our focus but still make it affordable um defensive asylum okay that's one where you're going to be in court that one's more because it requires multiple court appearances Mm. right you have things called master hearings where you're presenting to the court what you intend to do right not just words but paperwork so okay we're going to claim asylum oh is that right on what basis and then you have to you know give your stack of paperwork that this that's this side of the court and they say okay they'll look through it say that's acceptable for now. We'll allow you for the next year or two to submit more paperwork up until this date, but on this date, two years from now or whatever it's going to be, we're going to have a hearing called a merits or an individual hearing to finalize it, right? So you have two or three or more hearings for this process. These cases cost more, okay? So something like this, you're looking somewhere usually in the ten dollars to $15,000 range. Okay. Again, same metrics as before. Now, does it change if, like, if it's the, maybe the man that comes over first and then he brings his family later? Mm-hmm. Um, is that more work, more expense, or is that all covered? Like, what, what would... The, the forms, because that doesn't apply to everybody. What we'll usually do is um, we'll either guide that person to do those forms after, because they're pretty simple. Okay. You know, say, okay, I've already been granted asylum. This is my a lot of the work. So it's like, okay, done. here's my paper from the judge. Here's my marriage certificate. Here's my kid's birth certificates. And here's the three-page form. And that's it, right? So we can either guide them through it or we'll do it for some nominal fee. Okay. Um, our prices change, Scott, generally on the person, okay? So if it's a – or the case. If it's a complex case with, let's say, four or five children, a spouse, a husband – or a spouse – spouses, excuse me. Um, and we're going to have to do work permits for everybody and renew yeah. them. And the case is going to be more difficult. And we're moving it around the country and consolidating things together. It's going to be a little bit more expensive case. But you tend to know that at the beginning, right? Like if there were yes. a consultation, if they have some questions, then that stuff all gets uncovered during the consultation. Correct. And then we quote a flat fee and we stick with it. Okay. So we don't, we don't do hourly with people. It's like this is the cost. This is what you could expect. Uh, it's going to, let's say, be $12,000. you are going to put 3000 to start and 1000 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month because it's going to take years anyway. And so so people, uh, depending on who their attorney is, it might be flat fee or it might be hourly based. What is it most would you get? I think more people have gone to the flat fee metric okay. rather than the, the hourly because the hourly, it's very unpredictable. You don't know what it's going to be, and nobody wants to get nickel and dimed. Yeah. right? So we don't nickel and dime either. Um, so flat fee might flat be fee is usually way. the way to go, and so we determine that at the beginning. Like I said, a complex case with a lot of participants and maybe more than one courtroom we're dealing with, a little bit more expensive. Uh, we also do sliding scale with our firm, and I'm sure other firms do it too. Again, maybe using the example of a, a single mother with two young kids that has fled ter- terrible persecution. Right, I'm I'm going to try to do that at the least cost that we can yeah. to help out, depending on the case and what's required. Certainly, certainly. Do you? Um, do you have any um, social media or website information that you'd like to to share here? You're welcome to do that. Certainly, um, yeah. You know, because people, um, 
they they're welcome to reach out to you mm -hmm. and ask questions and potentially even have a consultation if, sure. if they think asylum might be for them we've had some other guests that come on they can reach out to those people or, or potentially to whoever's in their local community certainly uh, we're not the only reputable firm out there I'd like to think that we're kind of you know on the upper tier of doing things right our, our, our track record speaks for itself we win virtually every case that we take for asylum however if you feel more comfortable working with somebody that's just down the street from you great yeah. or maybe you have a unique language that we don't cover and you want to do that or maybe you got a recommendation from a friend for another attorney um, find somebody that you feel comfortable with right that you feel is knowledgeable look at their online reviews things like that uh, try to see what you can find out about them and and just find good counsel that could help you through this process because it's a maddening process yeah. especially with the courts Absolutely. you know and it's an uncertain process the the stress of being in limbo for years really weighs on people and you could see it age people literally not knowing what their future is going to be not knowing what the future for their children might be it's a terrible feeling well thank you darren um it's certainly big in the news right now um and it's something that you know maybe everybody doesn't think about every day but on our borders it's happening every day mm -hmm. uh, to a very large extent and it's nice to be able to provide this information to people so that they have a better chance of telling early on whether or not they would qualify yeah so we'll put your information um along with um this video so that if people wanted to reach out to you they certainly could Great. And we appreciate you coming and visiting and being on Immigration Nation today. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank appreciate you. It. Darren Smallcomb with Modern Law Group. This podcast has been prepared for general information purposes only and is not legal advice. This information is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. 